Hello, Mountain Brook. This is Dickie Barlow, Superintendent of Schools, and I have two guests with me today. Our head nurse, Sandra Overstreet, who has just gone through a title change, now known as COVID-19 Specialist Nurse. How about that, Sandra? What a title. It is a title. (laughs) (laughs) Something you've always wanted, right? It is. It's a big job, but... And we have Amanda Hood, Director of Student Services. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Um, Today, we're here to talk about, we've been in school for almost two weeks now, coming up on Labor Day, and we just feel like it's time to have the discussion about what happens if someone's positive at our school with COVID-19 and what will the school do and what's school looking for and who do we talk to and all kind of questions that people have that we've addressed in different outlets. And so we thought it'd be, it'd be good just to come together and just kind of talk through some simple questions that are quite dense, I might add. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump right on in this, Sandra, and I'm going to talk to you first. And let's just ask the, the, the first question is, what happens when a student begins showing symptoms at school? Well, the first thing that will happen at school is that the student will be sent to the nurse, and the nurse will assess the student for the symptoms for COVID-19. We've been given guidance that there are two types of symptom categories that we have. We have the major symptoms, which would be shortness of breath, a new cough, or loss of smell or taste. And then we have minor symptoms that kind of can get confused just for typical illnesses, childhood illnesses that they have. And that would include fever, headache, diarrhea, chills, sore throat, fatigue, muscle aches, nausea, vomiting, and congestion. So the nurse will look at the child, assess the symptoms, and then make her decision upon that. Any child with determined to have major symptoms, we have to presume could have COVID-19, and mm-hmm. then we go through the process of sending all of the close contacts home, notifying the health department, and suggesting that the child seek medical attention from their family physician. With the minor symptoms, we send the, the young, the, that student home to be evaluated by their physician. Some of the symptoms, they don't need to be at school anyway. If they have a fever, if they're vomiting or having diarrhea, they would have been sent home automatically. That's right. Yeah. And, so let me ask you this. All right, so so you, if a child has a couple minor um, symptoms, you're saying that we need to send them to – we send them home, but we also say um, you need to have medical assistance, so you send them to a doctor. What, what happens there? We would prefer that the parents seek medical, you know, go to the doctor to see uh, if there's a cause to determine the cause for the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the doctor may say, you know, it's related to strep throat or a different kind of illness. But they might say it could be COVID-19 and we want to do further diagnosing for that. And so at that point, the child will need to be stay at home until the doctor determines it's safe for that student to come back to school. Now, if a parent chooses not to seek medical attention, we have to go on the assumption that they do have COVID-19 and the child will be isolated at home for the ten, for a minimum of 10 days. So I guess, we're, Sandra, we're coming into this period of time where we have certainly concerns about COVID-19, but there are other things that students get. I mean, students get colds and they, they have, uh, like you said, might have strep throat. And so 
that's where the medical professional looks at the student and says, yeah, you don't have COVID-19 symptoms. You have uh, strep throat or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's good to know that mm-hmm. we're, we're, the school system's not taking the lead on that. That's, that's the medical profession. You're nodding your head, Amanda. Yes, I am. <laughs> Everybody can see me nodding my head, right? No, that's right. I mean, that's why the partnership between the health department, the schools, and the local health care providers is so important because, you know, the school is really serving as an extension, you know, working with the health department to help communicate with families and mm-hmm. help point people in the right directions. But the healthcare providers are really doing the, the diagnosing. Right. Okay, great. So what happens when somebody is positive in our schools? What what do we do, Sandra? So they go to the nurse. Mm-hmm. The nurse then says, um, yeah, we think you have COVID-19, and we then call the parent. And then so somebody take me through this. The health department has been very good in providing us a toolkit that can be found on their uh, the Alabama Department of Public Health's website to tell us the actual steps that we follow. The first thing is that we would want to send the affected child home, but keep them separate from other students in the school until the parent can get there. So a lot of the health rooms have set up a small area that's kind of like a sick room to protect the health of the other students. And then we will look to see who were the close contacts, those students who were within six feet for 15 minutes of the or in staff of the affected child so that we can send them home to quarantine according to the health department's guidelines. Okay, so let me let me stop right there. Mm-hmm. The, we I think probably a lot of people heard the 615 rule. So Amanda... Talk about the 615 roll for us. Yeah, so this, and I know that we'll probably mention that several times while we're talking today, but you know, you're considered a close contact of an affected person if you have been within six feet of an individual for 15 minutes or more. Mm-hmm. And that has really, from Department of Public Health, the Jefferson County Health Department is the defining factor for a close contact. Mm-hmm. And if you're determined to be a close contact of someone that has been affected by COVID 19, when we say affected, meaning you're positive, mm-hmm. um, that means that it's an automatic, as a close contact, you go home for 14 days to quarantine because the, the virus can incubate in a person's body for up to 14 days. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that number 14 comes from. Mm-hmm. It's really a precautionary step that's used to help mitigate further spread, but it's a really important step. Yeah. that is hard and fast. It's one of the few things that's really hard and fast about this process. Okay. So, Sandra, you were saying once we find out somebody, we we send somebody home if they're positive for 10 days, and then we evaluate the contacts. How, how do we go about doing that? The one thing that we do is we try to evaluate those people who are contact within the school. The Community contacts will be handled by the Jefferson County Health Department and identifying them. So we take like the seating charts within the classroom and we look at those people who possibly are sitting with around the student within that six feet and for greater than 15 minutes. And so at that time, we identify those students and we notify the parents and then we ask those students to go home to quarantine for the 14 days. We also will quarantine any siblings of the infected student or staff member for 14 days. And so depending on what school they are, then we will, you know, make arrangements 
for those students to go home at that same time, but to be quarantined for 14 days. So let's be clear about this. This isn't really a school system process. We're, who are we, we're working with Jefferson County Health Department, right? So when we find out somebody's positive or suspect somebody's positive, what the first thing we do is call the health department. Yes, we'll notify the health department, and they'll be getting in touch with the family, mem- the family of the, pos- the student who tested positive. So we're really looking at what happens in the school building or mm-hmm. school-related activities. And what we know, I mean, as a family, you're involved in lots of different things. There may be faith groups. You may have youth athletics. There may be dance groups. You know, I mean, they're kids, and so yeah. they're really connected and involved. And that's the lead that the health department takes is is tracing all of those things. As a school system, we're really looking at who have you been within 615 with while while you were at school that day or at a school activity. And that's the part that we're working through. All right. So you just brought up a good point. You used the word tracing. Mm-hmm. And another, I guess, a COVID-19 word that we can add to our the list of vocabulary words is contact tracing. So won't you talk to us about, Amanda, contact tracing and what what the school's responsibility and what we do as far as contact tracing. You've touched on p- part of that, but let's just kind of go through it again to clear it up. Sure. Well, the health department really takes the lead on contact tracing. Mm-hmm. Alabama Department of Public Health, Jefferson County Health Department. So we have contacts that we work with. But what we know as a school system is we are, are actively involved with our families and our communities. And so we're a we are a key piece in that process. Um, we also hope that our school nurses serve as resources in the first point of contact with any type of COVID-related question, concern, report, what do we do? Your school nurse is the number, that's the first stop, not mm-hmm. the principal, not the teacher, not the coach or the trainer, it's the school nurse. And so from there, the school nurse has certain steps that they go through. And so contact tracing, um, again, we just like Sandra was saying, we evaluate who was in the 615. That's the first thing that we look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so those close contacts, we would communicate with those families. And, you know, I mean, we would call them because those children or adults or anybody that was within the 615, they go home immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when their 14 days starts. Okay. So that happens. And then there's an extension. Like there may pe- be people that were in the area but didn't break the 615 rule. So you could think about that as the teacher, maybe the teacher in the class, or the mm-hmm. other students that sat on the other side of the room right? or things like that. That's really a lower exposure level. I think we're all walking around right now understanding that we're assuming some level of exposure, mm-hmm. right? But that's a lower exposure. And so we do think it's important to notify families if there's been a positive case mm-hmm. in their child's area. And so we would send you an email that just says, you know, there has been somebody that's been positive in their class. It doesn't mean that your your child can still come to school mm-hmm. because we're going to mask and we're going to distance and we're going to do those things. But as a parent, we know that's really important for you to for you to be aware so that you can just have a low threshold for symptoms, really monitor for that, um, you know, and, and let us know if you see anything unusual. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's how we communicate, you know, as far as the 615 rule, mm-hmm. high exposure, low exposure. There's another thing that's been coming up is that the, the difference between isolation and quarantine, Sandra. Can you kind of walk through with our people what the difference that is? I would be glad to. For me to remember, isolation is for the infected person, and that's helpful to kind of keep them separate. 
And it's for someone who is sick or has been tested positive uh, with or without COVID symptoms to stay away from others within their home. And so what they need to do is they need to stay at home for at least 10 days after the symptoms uh, improve and for 24 hours with no fever and with the use of fever-reducing medicine. And if they um, have continued to have fever and symptoms, then they do need to continue that isolation at home. And if you live with others, you want to stay away in a specific sick area and away from the other people, pets, and use a separate bathroom if available. And that is just to keep the spread down from within the household. Okay, so if I'm quote-unquote isolating, that means that I'm positive. And so I can, when I isolate, I even isolate from my family. I go into my room, I shut the door, uh, you know, don't eat at the dinner table. I try to stay away from my family so that they're not, hopefully not going to be positive, but my family will still quote unquote quarantine. So explain to me. That's an important point. I think really important for families because Mm -hmm. if you're at home and you're in isolation because you're positive, your family's 14-day quarantine period mm-hmm. as a close contact does not start until the last time they have contact with you. Mm-hmm. So if, if as, the, as an affected person that, that should be in isolation, if you're really not, you know, not being really strict about that, you're extending the close contacts, you know, within your family, their quarantine period. That's a good point, yeah. And quarantine keeps someone who's had close contact with um, with someone who's been with COVID-19, uh, keeps them away from others. And so you want to stay at home for 14 days. And Amanda was right. It's after your last contact with that positive person. And you want to check your temperature twice a day and watch for symptoms for COVID-19. And you want to stay from away from people who are at a higher risk for getting very sick with COVID-19. So you really want to kind of keep... To yourself, and also remember, if you are in your family, um, and people are quarantined, you want to quarantine from each other because if one of your family members were to develop symptoms and develop COVID nineteen, your fourteen day quarantine will start again from your last contact with an infected person. Okay, if you're if you're just halfway listening to this conversation, you can get really confused very quickly. Mm And so I guess I'd stop the conversation right now and just say, if you have questions, call your school nurse Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they will, they've got an org chart where they can walk you through what needs to take place. So if you're already lost (laughs) (laughs) and you have a a question that relates to your family, then give the school nurse nurse a call and they will walk you through the process. So Amanda, you know, when we're talking about contact tracing, you mentioned that if somebody was a close contact, then the school would contact the parents and say, hey, your child has been a close contact or what we call high exposure. And so they need to go home and they have to quarantine for 14 days. Um, And then we have, we contact, students who do not fall within the 615 rule. And so we contact them with a low exposure letter that says, hey, just watch your child. And they could have been exposed to COVID-19. So make sure you watch them for these symptoms. And so that's just kind of a heads up letter, correct? Right. That's correct. Completely precautionary. All right. So the question is, 
you know, there are some people who are going to be quarantined that are not positive, right? Absolutely. And so do we contact people and say, hey, so-and-so's, or there's been a student that's quarantined in your So that's a great question. We've actually had this question come up at some of our schools. So, you know, your child may come home and say, guess what? Somebody is quarantined in my class, you know. It, quarantine doesn't mean somebody's positive. Mm-hmm. It just means that somebody is at home for a period of time because they interacted within the 615 with somebody that was positive. So quarantine is, again, a completely precautionary step so that someone can go home and monitor their symptoms to ensure that, that you know they don't come down with symptoms. Um, so the question is, do we contact or send any kind of a letter to a class if someone in their area has been quarantine? And the answer is we really don't. Mm -hmm. So per all of the training and guidance that we've gotten from, again, Alabama Department of Public Health, Jefferson County Health Department, that's considered a contact of a contact. Mm -hmm. So if you're in quarantine, that means you've been in contact with an affected person. Yeah. If you're someone in the class, you're a contact of that. So the contact tracing doesn't apply necessarily in that situation, that's probably outside the realm of the reach mm-hmm. of where, of, of how the health department is conducting contact tracing. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. We're going to stop there because that's a lot to digest. We hope this podcast has brought some clarity, but if it's brought confusion to you, let me just uh, leave you with this um, one thought. Contact your school nurse. They can help you in what next step should be or what you should be thinking. Um, And so please uh, use that resource at each individual school. Sandra, what's another takeaway that um, you would like to just leave everyone with? The one takeaway I would have that if you're in quarantine because you've come in contact with someone who's positive for COVID-19, that you can't test out of quarantine. That 14 days is firm by the Jefferson County Health Department, and you're going to have to complete that 14 days in quarantine. Okay, and I guess the reason for that is is that you can, I mean, you have 14 days until the, the disease could show itself, right? You and can so, test negative on day six and positive on day 11. Yeah, so that 14 days, you got that, that's hard and fast. So you can't <laughs> test out of... Uh, that's right. Yeah, okay, great. And Amanda, any takeaways for you? Well, for me, it would be this is a big weekend. It's Labor Day weekend, and our community travels a lot, and, you know, we're, we're really social. And so I would say please remember distance, mask, wash your hands no matter where you go. You know, just remember those three basic principles, and it, it will certainly help your family and our schools in the coming weeks. Great. Sandra, thank you for your time, and really thank you for your work that you're doing. We know that you are working around the clock, receiving calls all the time and so we're extremely grateful for you absolutely yeah and amanda thank you for your expertise and we didn't even know what um covid19 was (laughs) you know a year ago and now um you read everything you can and i just appreciate your expertise and, and leadership in this process well thank you for your time we hope this podcast is helpful and again remember call your school nurse if you need anything related to COVID-19. We sure appreciate your patience and your understanding in this hard and difficult time in our community. Thank you.